Have you ever had that heart-stopping moment when you realized you forgot the password to a critical account? I have, and that's exactly why I switched to 1Password years ago, and honestly, it's been a game-changer. I can't do without 1Password, and I know that if you give it a try, you will feel the same way. And when you support our sponsors, then you support the show. So I encourage you to check out what 1Password has to offer One of the things 1Password has to offer is it combines top-tier security with an award-winning design, making password management a breeze for anyone, anywhere. From the moment I started using 1Password, I said goodbye to the days of resetting passwords and worrying about security breaches. You see, 1Password isn't just about convenience. It's about saving you from the real cost of data breaches and the daily time suck of password resets. It works seamlessly across all your devices, filling in passwords for you so that you can sign in with a click. And the best part, all you need to do is remember one strong password that protects everything else. I've been using 1Password for as long as I can remember. My family is using it. Everyone in this household has bought in. It's, again, a game changer. It's completely transformed how I handle my digital security and my family feels the same way. We've gotten away from using the same passwords again and again and again, or sticky note reminders or having that notebook that says passwords I must remember. Plus, 1Password is trusted by millions, including giants like IBM and Slack. With 1Password, my digital life and my family's digital life is not only more secure, but infinitely simpler. And look, if you've ever been frustrated by a family member constantly asking for passwords, 1Password's secure sharing has been a total relationship saver for me. It's so secure that the Associated Press relies on it in high-risk areas, which means it's more than capable of keeping your digital life safe and streamlined. So why not make the switch? Protect yourself, your family, and your business with 1Password. It's the simple and secure way to manage your digital life. And right now, listeners of A Productive Conversation get a free two-week trial at onepasswordcom slash ProductiveConvo. That's two free weeks at onepasswordcom slash productive convo. Again, onepasswordcom slash productive convo. Check out one password. I know you'll fall in love with it like my whole family has. Again, that's onepasswordcom slash productive convo for two free weeks. Check it out today. Have you ever considered the impact your work environment has on your health and your productivity? Enter uplift desk a revolutionary standing desk designed to transform the way you work and that's just the beginning of what uplift desk has to offer with an emphasis on ergonomics and customization uplift desk offers a solution that caters to the dynamic needs of modern professionals whether you're coding designing or podcasting like i am right now the flexibility to switch between sitting and standing can significantly enhance your focus and vitality What makes Uplift Desk stand out is not just their commitment to quality and innovation, but also their dedication to creating a healthier workspace. With options to customize from over 100 desktop materials and a plethora of accessories, Uplift Desk ensures that your work setup is uniquely yours, promoting better posture and movement throughout the day. And here's an offer to get you started on a healthier work journey starting today. Go to upliftdesk.com slash timecrafting for 5% off your order. That's up 
liftdesk.com slash timecrafting to get 5% off your entire order. Your health, your productivity, your future self will thank you. Again, that's upliftdesk.com slash timecrafting and get 5% off your entire order today. This episode of the Productivity S Podcast is brought to you by Gusto. What is Gusto? Well, it rhymes with musto or rusto, as in let's do it once more with Gusto. But Gusto is also easy online payroll, benefits, and HR built for modern small businesses. To get three months for free when you run your first payroll, visit gusto.com slash timecrafting. I'll have more about Gusto during this episode, but for now, let's get on with the show. Welcome to the Productivityist Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Vardy. And on this episode of the show, I speak with New York Times bestselling author, Dan Chabelle. Dan is the author of the book, Back to Human, How Great Leaders Create Connection in the Age of Isolation. And he's also the host of the Five Questions with Dan Chabelle podcast. He's also worked with me at Lifehack back in the good old lifehack.org days. And we had a really good conversation talking about this connection creation that leaders need to have and how that can affect not just productivity, but relationships and and, and so much more. Um, Dan's also a partner and research director at Future Workplace and the founder of both Millennial Branding and WorkplaceTrends.com. So he knows what he's talking about. And this is an area he has spent a lot of time in. And so let's spend some time talking with him. Here's my conversation with Dan Chabel here on the Productivityist Podcast. I'd like to welcome Dan Chabelle to the Productivityist Podcast. Dan, thanks for joining me. So happy to be here with you, Mike. It's been a while since we've connected, and we've never actually talked, I don't think, have we? I don't think we've talked. I think we've we've communicated via email and stuff back when I was back in my, as we were talking about the life hack days, but I don't think we've ever actually spoken to one another. We've never spoken up until now, but technology has led us to this call. Which is great, but I want to talk about a book that you've got, Back to Human, How Great Leaders Create Connection in the Age of Isolation, because we're, we are, I'm in Victoria, British Columbia, Canada. You are in New York City, right? Lower East Side of Manhattan. That's where I am. So we are able to talk literally from opposite ends of the continent. Um, and we are currently not isolated. But what I want to, one of the things that my wife and I were looking at the book that, you know, we, we got an advanced copy of it. And one of the things she said to me, she says, you know, she, cause she does, she kind of skims through the books initially to kind of go, okay, so that way she knows, uh, kind of what we're going to be talking about. Cause she kind of handles all the back end stuff. And she said, you're going to like this book because basically, uh, ba- basically she goes, the idea of the human component, bringing things back to human, uh, and using tech, maybe using technology as a leveraging tool, as opposed to the, um, as opposed to the, uh, to, to create face-to-face connections she goes she goes that's right up your your alley and that's i mean i don't want to kind of say that that's what the entire book's about but that's one of the messages inside the book right the big message is use technology as a bridge to more human uh, interaction instead of a barrier let it remove the tasks that you don't even want to do and let it um, enable you to meet people on the phone or in person so you can establish better, stronger, more human, genuine relationships because we have an inherent need to have friendships and feel love, feel like we belong. And technology gives us the illusion that we have great connections, that we're highly productive, but 
many a times technology can be distracting and and make us less productive. Technology, especially Facebook, makes us believe we have thousands of friends, mm-hmm. yet oh, we can only rely on about four at a time of an emotional crisis for every 150 Facebook friends that we have. And so I think that we have to think more about how to use technology the right way, because when I interviewed 100 top young leaders at 100 of the best companies in the world, they said that technology is a double-edged sword. Right. Regardless if you think it's good or bad, it's how, when, and where you use it that's most important. For, and I'll give you the most simplest example, right? So if, if you have a coworker that's running late to a meeting, you can text them saying, you know, make sure that you come to conference room A. But if you get into a fight with a coworker, do not handle that via text. So I, we did for the book, I work with Virgin Pulse. We interviewed over 2000 managers and employees in 10 countries. And we found that the biggest thing that gets in the way of human interaction is email. Yet a study in the Harvard Business Review found that one face-to-face interaction is more successful than 34 emails exchanged back and forth. So technology has led us to believe that we're being more productive, yet it's great misunderstanding that has resulted in a time suck, not a time gain. Mm -hmm. And I think something that's very relevant to your show that I was telling you about earlier was uh, we asked all of them, what benefits would you receive from more face-to-face time with your coworkers? And a third said they'd be more productive and a half said they would have deeper relationships with their team. So people are bringing their full selves into the workplace, whether we like it or not. And, you know, you don't want to be, you know, Mike, the professional at work and then Mike, the family man, you just want to be Mike. Right. Right. That's who you are. You do some things with professional, personal, your work day and your personal life are very intertwined because of technology right now. People are, you know, working crazy hours, not having your phone as the new vacation. You know, we're constantly doing work. So if we don't like the work we're doing and don't extract meaning from it, and if we don't get along with our coworkers, we're not going to stay at that company very long and be engaged. I want to talk a little bit about this idea of deepening connection and deepening relationships because, I mean, there's a book called The Shallows. I can't remember who wrote it offhand right now, but I'm going to link it in the show notes. The idea of how our brains are becoming shallower because technology allows us to access things so quickly. You talk about email, right? Like the idea of just quickly, you know, looking at email, getting like a, a cursory glance at it and deciding, okay, I can deal with this now, deal with this later, moving on. It's almost like we're processing instead of interacting or engaging. Um, where... How do you, uh, and, and in your research, how do you, how did people find that they were able to leverage technology? Well, give me maybe a couple of quick examples, uh, so that the deepening of connection could happen in maybe the, the, a way that didn't have a ton of boundaries to make or barriers to make that happen. Yeah. In its simplest form, what technology can let you do, especially through social media is learn more about people's personal interests so that you can connect with them on a deeper level. Like if you both like the same sports team, you might not know that, but maybe they posted about it on, you know, Facebook or or Twitter or LinkedIn. And because they posted that, now you know something about them that they might not have shared uh, in the workplace. And you can bring that up and form a, a stronger bond based on what they're doing outside the workplace or just a hobby in general. I think the thing that's really interesting is that only 20% of companies have offsites, team building activities and social events for their workforce. Yet that's the number one way to create a more human social work environment where people feel highly engaged and connected to the to the organization's uh, mission and vision and and values. And so 
what we found is yes, by by encouraging people to be more social, by having a leader that you can trust, by being in an environment where you feel like you belong, by being happy at work, which is important, right, for our health and well-being, uh, and then by having a true purpose and, and having purpose through your work, knowing that you're part of something bigger than you, when all of those employee engagement factors add up, you're going to stay with the company longer, be more productive, be happier, and it's going to improve your whole life. See, the reason why I focus on helping organizations create healthy work environments is because if you have a good work experience, if you're happy and fulfilled in the workplace, it's going to improve your entire life because you're spending a third of your whole life working. Right. Right. Now, I want to talk a little bit about conferences and events and things like that, like things that let's, I want to definitely dive into like being in an organizational setting. But from an entrepreneurial standpoint, I just came back from a conference not too long ago. I make an effort to go to conferences, not just to speak at them, but to attend as well, because often that the magic happens kind of between sessions. The magic's in the middle, right? You know, where you can go watch a session and learn a lot, but then the networking and all that stuff happens uh, within the hallways of the event. How, how important has it been for you? And then we can talk about the people that you you, you researched, because we talked before we jumped on about people that you've met, people that you know we have a lot of common, uh, common colleagues and such. Uh, how important is it to get out there for people to go to events that either A, maybe push them outside their comfort zone a bit, uh, in terms of learning something, but also putting themselves in a networking opportunity. And secondly, how does that, uh, how how can people take those experiences if they're having them and maybe make them even greater than they already are? The best way to meet someone new is to go alone. If you go to an event alone, it forces you to talk to other people. Right. If you go with a bunch of friends, there's a level of comfort and support that prevents you from taking the initiative to meet other people. So it's really important to go somewhere alone and then be genuine, find the right people. Even before you attend the event that you want to meet, reach out before the event using technology. I, I do this all, all the time. I mean, if I'm, if I'm speaking at a conference with thousands of people, you know, the uh, two weeks before I look at who, who else is speaking, I reach out to the ones that are the most applicable to me in terms of what they're studying or maybe if they're prospective clients and I lock in all the meetings before I'm at the event. So most of the work at the event has already been done and I've used technology to create more in-person situations where I'm getting to know these people better because none of these people are going to hire me unless I meet them in person first. Right. And so by, by taking the time to meet them in person, uh, it's easier because as an introvert, I always struggle with just like walking up to random people. I'm using the technology to alle alleviate that anxiety by already booking these meetings with people I actually genuinely want to talk to and I think I can support. So the path to networking becomes much easier and more targeted. And the conversion rate on that in terms of a new friend or a new client is much greater as a result. You obviously also probably leverage technology to create these processes that allow you to do that. So, for example, before every event, you probably have, uh, you know, uh, and, you know, like, a, what do they call it when a car gets a tune up, like, you know, a 12 point checklist that says, OK, here are the things that I'm going to do before I do before I go to this event. Uh, because often, and this is a human component, is we we tend to pack things together. Like I'm going to an event. Let me. I need to introduce myself. And and they don't really. You don't really have a checklist of what you need to do necessarily. You you describe some of the things. How important is it to to kind of when you when you want to kind of engage with people more? And let's talk about this from two vantage points. Either you're going to an event, 
or you're going to a new job environment and you want to make sure that you thrive in that environment, um, putting together some kind of uh, using technology to leverage, you know, like the, hey, here are the steps I need to take. And then also for organizations when they're bringing new people into the fold or trying to figure out how they want to set up a culture where you can get back to human or even just not even get back to it, but just establish human right from the get-go. Do you find that you leverage technology in both those events, both those instances, and then maybe how, like what examples would go on those checklists? So we'll just take a quick step back. Basically the best way to be productive and happy and fulfilled is it's a proper mix, not balance but an integration of personal and professional. Mm-hmm. And it's also an integration of working by yourself on projects and collaborating with the team on those projects or other projects. So you need both. Um, the problem is in our culture is everything is to the extreme. Everyone has to work from home. Everyone has to work in a corporate office. Everyone has to dress the same. Every the, Everything is extremes, right? right. Yet, yet that's not our personalities. We're all you know, across the spectrum in terms of personality types, in terms of how we operate as humans. Um, And as a result, everyone is different. My checklist is not going to look like your checklist, for instance. Mm -hmm. I think the core is knowing what you want long-term so you can make better short-term decisions, knowing what your priorities are and sticking to them, integrating work with life. So if your calendar if if something does not exist in your calendar, it doesn't exist in our heads, right? We live and buy, die by our calendars. So if that's true, we have to inject our calendars with more personal-related activities. It could be putting something on your calendar that says, you know, have a 10-minute call with your parents every day, like right. I do, right? It could be adding, you know, coffee with a friend or a sports, a corporate sports league, right? It's But it's consistency, every week, making sure that every day you're best integrating personal and professional. So that that's that's at the, the core of what we need to do instead of trying to balance because balance means there's trade-offs and in life, life is a little bit more complicated than that. And you're not going to like look at your watch to make sure that you, you're done with person, your personal life and you can start your professional life. It's just, that does not work for anyone. So what you need to do is you need to structure your day so you're maximizing the day and you're able to be fulfilled personally and professionally. And I think what it comes down to is you have to know what you want long-term, and that helps you create better short-term goals. And then write the goals down. For me, it's five personal, five professional per year on average. And then once you have those goals written down, make it into a checklist so that, for instance, professionally, I, I do between five and nine research studies a year. But that's like my core. That's what I really love to do. So it's my highest priority from a professional standpoint. And every time I get a study sponsored or I field the study or I come up with a questionnaire or I do the analysis or I do a campaign to let people know about the research findings, those are all things that I need to check off as it's happening. So so I have to go through a whole process in order to make sure a research study is complete by by my standards, as well as the, the corporate corporation that's sponsoring the research standards. And I do that, you know, f- five to nine times per year. And, but personally it's, you know, I want to travel every year. So I want to make sure that I'm, I'm booking a trip to somewhere in the world every December so that the upcoming year, I, I know I can check that off. 
right? So right. it's getting really, it's becoming really smart about how you integrate personal and professional and then uh, get greenly, get uh, more specific as you're building out your goals to capture that, to make it more tangible so you can achieve it. Ever caught yourself marveling at the seamless magic of everyday tech, like how noise-canceling headphones block out the world or the sheer bliss of meeting-free Fridays? Now imagine if there was a way to bring that kind of magic into selling online. Well, guess what? There is, and it's called Shopify. From the moment you decide to launch your online shop to opening your first physical store, and even when you're pinching yourself because, yes, you just hit a million orders, Shopify is there to guide your growth. Whether you're selling shipping supplies or the latest productivity tools, Shopify supports you everywhere with their all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system. The checkout, oh, it's a breeze for your customers, converting up to 36% better than other platforms. And with Shopify Magic, your AI-powered assistant, you're selling more with way less effort. And you won't be alone in your Shopify journey because Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., supporting giants like Allbirds and Brooklinen and millions of entrepreneurs across 175 countries. Their award-winning support is always there, making sure businesses that grow, Grow with Shopify, and yours can be one of those businesses. And for those looking to level up, Shopify's endless integrations and third-party apps from on-demand printing to chatbots ensure your business is always ahead of the curve. So what are you waiting for? Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash timecrafting, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash timecrafting now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. That's shopify.com slash timecrafting. Have you ever looked into fasting and thought, I love the benefits, but I can't go days without eating? Well, that's where Prolon comes in, transforming the fasting experience with a plant-based nutrition program that tricks your cells into thinking they're fasting without actually having to stop eating. Developed through decades of research at the University of Southern California Longevity Institute, Prolon is not just another diet, it's a scientifically backed program designed to support your body's natural processes. Now keep in mind, this isn't about cutting out food, it's about providing your body with the right nutrients to enter a fasting state while still eating. The program includes snacks, soups, and beverages, all carefully designed to support healthy blood sugar levels, cardiovascular health, and even reduce abdominal fat. And the convenience? It's unmatched. Everything you need comes in one box delivered right to your doorstep. Thousands of doctors now recommend Prolon for its health benefits, backed by Nobel Prize winning science. So if you're looking for a way to kickstart your health journey with all the benefits of fasting and none of the hunger... Prolon is the answer. And right now, Prolon is offering a Productive Conversation listeners 10% off their five-day nutrition program. Go to prolonlife.com slash timecrafting. That's P-R-O-L-O-N life.com slash timecrafting for this special offer. Again, that's prolonlife.com slash timecrafting. Check it out today. Ever found yourself deep in a project, your flow state so intense that the world around you just fades away? That's the magic zone where ideas take flight and your work truly comes to life. But what if, in a blink, it could all disappear? Hard drives fail, coffee spills, and yes, even the dreaded accidental delete happens. But fear not, 
because Crash Plan has your back. Don't wait for disaster to strike. Head over to crashplan.com slash timecrafting now for a free trial and secure your creations with their limited time buy one, get one offers. Supporting our sponsors means supporting this podcast. So take a moment to check them out. Crash Plan is the superhero of cloud-based data protection, specifically designed for people like us who live and breathe their digital creations. Crash Plan ensures that every file, every idea, and every piece of hard work is safely backed up and protected. With Crash Plan Professional, you get unlimited backup for your computers, not servers or cloud apps, just pure essential data protection for PC, Mac, and Linux. This means your business plans, designs, music, and documents are continuously encrypted and updated in their secure cloud without you lifting a finger. Imagine this, your laptop takes a dive during a late night work session. With Crash Plan, it's not a disaster, it's just a minor hiccup. Their service runs quietly in the background, safeguarding every change you make every 15 minutes. And if the worst happens, your files are just a few clicks away from being restored with unlimited version retention acting as your personal time machine. For businesses, CrashPlan's multi-tenant capabilities are a game changer. Buy as many licenses as you need, manage them with ease, and let your team or your IT admin restore data seamlessly, saving precious time and resources. So go to CrashPlan.com timecrafting now to sign up for a free trial and take advantage of one of their limited buy one, get one offers for a productive conversation listeners. That's CrashPlan.com timecrafting. Back up better with CrashPlan. Meal planning is important because it prevents us from being a disappointed wreck when dinner time comes around and we have no clue what to make or even if we have the ingredients to make the meal. It's a time and a money saver, but most importantly, it frees up valuable brain space. Creating a meal plan prepares us for the week to come and gives us peace of mind that we're organized and can feed ourselves and our family. That's why I do it and that's why Plan to Eat helps me do it. Your subscription includes access to the Plan to Eat website and fully featured mobile apps on iOS and Android. And Plan to Eat gives you the tools to clip and organize recipes from any website, the ones your family loves and that fit your dietary preferences and needs. And you can create a meal plan around your schedule. Then what happens is the Plan to Eat software automatically creates an organized shopping list based on your plan. So sign up for your free trial at plantoeat.com slash timecrafting. That's plantoeat.com forward slash timecrafting. The coupon will be automatically applied to your account and can be used when you're ready to subscribe. It's valid for new customers only. Give Plan to Eat a try today. We're going to take a break from the proceedings to talk about our sponsor for this week, Gusto. Small business owners wear a lot of hats, and while some hats are great, others, like the filing taxes and running payroll hat, eh, not so great. That's where Gusto comes in. Gusto makes payroll, taxes, and HR actually easy for small businesses. Gusto automatically pays and files your federal, state, and local taxes so you don't have to worry about it. Plus, they make it easy to add on health benefits and even 401ks for your team. Oh, and you can get direct access to certified HR experts too. Sounds like a pretty good way to kick off 2019 for your business, right? But here's the thing. Deadlines for the new year creep up earlier than you think. And you're going to want to get started now. So don't wait. Let Gusto make it easier on you. As a bonus, Productivity is Podcast listeners get three months free when they run their first payroll. This is one hat you're going to be glad you gave up. So try a demo and see for yourself at gusto.com slash timecrafting. That's gusto.com slash timecrafting. 
I'd like to thank Gusto for sponsoring this episode of the Productivity is Podcast. And now, let's get back to the show. When it comes to, um, you know, again, putting yourself in the human experience, I, I find that that it's a really important thing, productivity-wise, to measure things both qualitatively, qualitatively and quantitatively. So a lot of people will say that, you know, the more boxes they check off, the more fulfilled they are, which, and technology definitely allows you to do that. Um, can you share with me, uh, and, and things like empathy and gratitude, they, they come to the fore when you're starting to talk about qualitative stuff, right? Because it's more, I mean, those are, those are feelings and those are emotional and, and, and I mean, they are, they do have some reason behind them, but they're not so much a, Hey, let me tick off this box, tick off this box on its face. Sure. You might want to say, Hey, did I display gratitude today? Yes, I did check. And maybe what you did display gratitude about. How do you, um, when, when it comes to, to, you know, getting back to human, how do you find that you are able to integrate and how, how, you know, the people that you talk to integrate those things like, you know, the virtues of like gratitude and, and empathy, uh, uh, balanced or, or, and again, balanced, not the right word, but integrated with those things that are more, have harder edges, like that are more quantitative. Yeah, I think it's a very important point. So, for me, I don't keep a gratitude journal. I, I don't do a lot of that. I don't do meditation. I don't do some of that. I do what works for me that I'm comfortable with that I know I can do seven days a week. So that's running every morning. Hmm. It's cook. It's cooking two to three times a day, right? Because the way I, in which I approach cooking and running is that it, they're stress relievers and they're time away from my office where I'm, I can think deeply about the world, my life, what I want to, what I want to do and come up with new ideas. Uh, but you know, I interviewed many, many people in the book that have their own formula for health, right? They have their own habits they establish. So I think testing things is really smart, seeing what works for you, because you don't know if you're going to like mindfulness and meditation if you don't try it, right? right? I've tried it. It doesn't work very well for me. So I think that testing things is important, adopting what's working best for you. And then turning it into a habit, doing it every day at a certain time period and putting in your calendar so you're ensuring psychologically that you're committed to it. And sometimes, so for some people I interviewed and people I know, sometimes you need an accountability partner. Right. So you need, you need it could cost money, it could be a friend, like hiring a coach or, or having a friend who wants to achieve the same objective or create the same habit. And then, and then come up with a, a system, come up with a, you know, a, an agenda of when you're going to meet and, and conduct that activity. So when we're trying to put all this stuff together and, uh, you know, we live in this culture of speed and, you know, demand, how do you step back to kind of put these practices or these ideas or concepts in place so that that way moving forward, they become, like you said, they become habitual, they become routine, they become part of the fabric of of who you are or what the organization is. Because a, a lot of people, when I talk to them about adopting new mindsets and new philosophies and new practices, they say, oh, you know, uh, uh, why did I have to spend time doing this? It would have been just fast for me to do it the old fashioned way so, or the old way, the way we've always done them or whatever. So how, how do you encourage and, and maybe what some of the people you talk to, what these leaders, what they did to, to put these in place um, so that they became not automatic, but they became woven within the fabric of, of, of either their culture individually or the company culture that they that they lead. The best advice I can give and when I tell my Instagram followers all the time is small steps before big leaps. Yeah. 
So start small, establish one habit at a time. It's like, it's like if you want to change your eating habits, don't just become a vegan tomorrow, right? Like eliminate chicken, right? And try that for, for a day, a week, a month, two months, right? So you have to do things, um, you know, every single day and, and to change habits long-term, and then you could add a new habit into the mix, right? So start with one at a time and then break small, break habits into smaller pieces. So they're more manageable. You know, when I talk to people featured in the book, they, you know, also they establish one work friend before establishing five work friends, right? So it's, again, it's focusing on one thing at a time and then expanding as you go. You know, it's much easier to start with one friend or, you know, a, a great team member before you have to hire the next 50 because you're learning a lot about yourself, your leadership style, how to manage a person. These are all skills. And then once you have to hire, if you're, you know, your department or your organization is growing, if you have to hire another 50, well, people are different. So you might have to manage them each differently and cater to individual needs, but you still have the skill of management and leadership that, you know, you just need to learn how to adapt to other people. And so I think that by establishing these habits now, by creating healthy habits, they're going to stick with you for the rest of your life. And I think that's where the ultra performers really get an edge, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's like they don't need to, they can evolve and reinvent themselves and to stay relevant, but they have these core set of skills that allow them to be successful for the rest of their life, not just this year. So, I mean, you, the idea of, um, the workplace of the future. And this is something you've spoken to before. Most people tend to think technology is like the future, like, oh, well, we will all be uh, working remotely and Zoom meetings will happen all the time. And, you know, we'll get together for retreats once a year and that'll be the extent of it. Um, this, like the book and, and, and the, the insights in the book, not just insights, but like research based. And so it's not just like pie in the sky thinking this is like, okay, I've talked to these people. This is based on my own work, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it seems to be <laughs> counterintuitive or, and this is always an interesting thing when I'm, when I'm reading a book or talking to someone and they're saying something that, especially when, when they are a, you know, someone who works at the workplace, if you're like, well, no, technology will be used as a, as a, as a leveraging tool, as opposed to the tool that makes everything happen. People are like, wait a minute, hold on. I thought technology was supposed to make everything better. What, what do you say to people that are like, well, hold on a second. Like in terms of cost benefit, in terms of like, wouldn't it be better for us just to have remote working and people working different cycles? Like some, you know, I, I think for example, one thing would be, um, and I noticed this when I worked for Costco and I'm noticing this when I talk to other people is that people, some cultures, some company cultures are starting to recognize like, Hey, some people work better in the morning and some people work better in the evening. Just that's the way their circadian rhythm works. I mean, you've, I mean, Dan Pink talks about this and when as, and so did uh, Michael Bruce, who's been on the show before talks about this and, and the power of when, like, what do you say to people who are like, well, yeah, but what about the 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 dollars? What about the the way that we've we've been told that the future is going to work? This seems to be counterintuitive to that. It's really not, though. I think the one thing that's predictable is that jobs will be lost and created. Mm-hmm. We don't know how many jobs we lost or created. There's been several predictions that it would be a net neutral, net positive, or net negative impact to the economy and the work workforce. So we don't really know. We do know that humans and robots will be working side to side. So we have to 
figure out how to leverage them for our benefit and our organizational organization's growth and profitability. There's no question on that. But I think that our, the, the need to have soft skills and leadership skills and to be able to manage tasks and delegate and communicate and have a positive attitude and and uh, connect with other people is only going to become more important as we see more and more technology take hold. Right. Let, and I always say, let the technology remove the work you don't want to do. Like chatbots now are sophisticated. They can help you book meetings so you don't have to go back and forth with someone trying to schedule something. Mm-hmm. It just looks at your calendar and the data that you have there and it, it does it automatically for you, which saves you time. So you can invest that time in things that have a, a bigger impact in the organization. So let it remove the tasks that you don't want to do. So you can focus on things that require more emotional intelligence and human connection, like selling or working on a uh, solving a problem. So I think that technology can be good, um, but if we're overusing it, and you know, I love this quote by uh, the education secretary in, in Singapore: "If you if you work like a robot, you'll be replaced by a robot." Mm-hmm. No, and 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 you know, you talk about chatbots, and one of the things that came up at a conference I was at uh, earlier this year was the idea that chatbots can kind of pre-qualify people to a point, and then the thing get then it gets handed over to a human because there's a certain point where there's a there's a there's a point of friction, right? And 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 to be fair, the point of friction is probably uh, they they evolve as well, but there's that subjectivity that you're talking about that that you know the, uh, that you know, technology can't, can't kind of muster and can't deal with. Um, before we wrap up, uh, can you touch on, and, and this is mentioned in the book, um, uh, self-assessments are always great, especially when people are like, where do I start and how do I know what I need to work on and how do I know, you know, where to, you know, kind of where the road will take me based on, you know, my own traits and my, my organizational traits. You've got, it's called the work connectivity index. Can you, can you share a little bit about that and why you put that together for people? Yeah, great question. So one of the things that I always had the ambition of having is an academic assessment. And it took me, this is the third book I've done since I was 22. And I was like, now is the best time, especially with this topic. So I reached out to seven professors who study work isolation. And Professor Kevin Rockman from George Mason University got back to me and he's like, yeah, I'd love to work with this with you on this. And so what the work connectivity index is, WCI, is it measures the strength of your work relationships. So you get a connectivity score from poor to very high. And if you have a low score, it means you're not you're not connecting enough with the people on your team. So your relationships have suffered. Thus, you're less productive, happy, fulfilled, and you're less committed to the team and organization as a result. So, of course, if you work remote, you typically have lower scores. And in the research study with Virgin Pulse, we found that if you work remote, you're much less likely to want a long-term career your company, which is the biggest finding, in my opinion. I've worked remote for eight years, and I can I can connect with that very well, especially as I'm talking about this all around the world. Um, and so I think that knowing and having the self-awareness that you have a low connectivity score can help you because it's like, oh my God, like I am not, I am I might be isolated. I'm not in touch with my colleagues enough. I need to do something about it. So the first step in solving a problem or creating more human relationships is to realize there's a problem in the first place. 
So Dan, I want to kind of give people a, a bit, I didn't want to put too much in, of the book into our conversation today because there's a lot of great stuff in there. And a lot of this, like you said, it's like going to the conference on your own. Like you need to sit with this and do this on your own, especially like you start off with, I mean, the, the book is divided in three parts, master self-connection, then there's create team connection and build organizational connection. So this book isn't just for, um, you know, organizations and it isn't just for individuals. It's, it, it's a, it's a, um, uh, it, it works for for all levels. And if you're running an organization, you can pass this down to the people that are in your organization. And if you're not, and you want to start an organization, like there's so many facets of this, that this book works in, right? Yeah, it's interesting. I've had some interviews so far where they're like, this is just how to live a good life. <laughs> mm. mm-hmm. But I didn't write that with that in mind, right? I'm like, the, you know, I was writing this with like the new leader in mind. So, or someone who has the ambition to be a leader, what do you have to you know, watch out for and think about so that you're fulfilled and happy and you create a good workplace culture that people are happy, excited to be a part of. And yet it also, the book also helps employees who want to interface better with their teammates and their leader. Well, whenever a book can scale, whenever something can scale, it's got legs. And this book definitely has legs because humans have legs. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> because, no, the <laughs> book, <laughs> but um, you can pick up this book. It's called Back to Human, How Great Leaders create connection in the age of isolation. Dan, where can people pick up the book and where else can they learn more about you and the work you're doing? You can pick up the book in bookstores and amazon.com and other online retailers like Barnes and Nobles and Walmart. And, and, uh, you can listen to my podcast, five questions with Dan Shawbell and get all of my research and articles and content on Dan That's D A N S C H A W. B-E-L.com. Dan, thanks for joining me today on the Productivity's Podcast. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Mike. And that's how the podcast went down. That's how the conversation went down. That's how the connection went with me and Dan Chavel. Uh, it was great to, to talk with him again. I was really, really excited to be able to speak with him, especially since we never actually spoke before. We a lot of email exchanges back when he was contributing the life hack and I was the managing editor there. So it's really cool to be able to connect with him uh, and do something for you here on the podcast. And and we deliver this every single week. So if you're not subscribed yet, please do so. You can do that in your podcast apparatus or application of choice, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, uh, wherever you listen to podcasts, just grab uh, the the productivity is podcast and uh, add it to your weekly media diet. We publish a new episode every single week. And if you want to get the show notes on this episode, just go to productivityist.transistor.fm slash 216. And we've got you covered there. Big thanks to John Polstra for producing the show this week. Big thanks to Gusto for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Again, if you want to get three months of uh trial, just a three-month trial, as soon as you've run your first payroll, go to gusto.com slash timecrafting, and you can make that happen. Big thanks to you for listening, by the way. I'm really, really happy you're here. And, and by the way, if you have a chance, leave a rating or review in that place that you listen to the podcast. It helps me make the show better, and it helps people find the show as well. That's it for this week. I'm Mike Vardy, the host of the Productivityist Podcast, reminding you to stop guessing and start going. We'll see you next time. <laughs>